I had a, a glory encounter uh, right after you know, I was about to sit down and just rest. And the Lord brought me to this deep, deep encounter. And my, what comes to me was that he was just so close. His face, it's like all over me. I couldn't even see my face. I couldn't. And so he's just all over me. And last night, just waves and waves of love all over me until maybe 3 a.m. I couldn't sleep. It's all so good. And I'm so refreshed. Beautiful morning, snow. I wish we, we could bring it back to the Philippines. <laughs> Our, you know, the answer to dreaming of a white Christmas. We're so ready to go home, but part of us is so connected to you to what happened here I felt uh, even the first night holding the net in my heart I feel like there's that commitment and desire I'm invested in this what you're doing here holy moment I like when fire falls in big gatherings and that's so beautiful amen we we all press in for that but the fire should be carried back home for fire to be sustained there has to be fireplaces god grants us fire in the scripture we'll, we'll read that in leviticus and, and how the Lord would just light up the fire and it's the role of the priest to tend the lamp, to make sure it's burning. In conference, this setting, we can be so all out, have encounters. And sometimes we can still hide something. And I know that. And I, I believe that's just part of our human, you know, human, humanness. We hide things. But I would like to suggest that what conference would not fully attain in the round table and the family table. We are actually free to open up. Where there is love, there is acceptance, there's no judgment. So we're not just confessing, we're actually unveiling what's inside. So His grace will come in. So my, my message for this morning is, Connected to how do we host this fire? We have a powerful impartation, May 2006, and I've mentioned that. 
that fire burned in our hearts. We went back to the Philippines. Something happened. And it's the night after night, just being the secret place. What comes from him can only be sustained by him. Just to go after the presence of God. You know, that seed of impartation, that seed of encounter should be sustained. First in your heart, then it will be released around the people. You know. So, um, that's my desire for today. How can we be a family of fire? A family on mission. Because the fire is not just for here. The fire should be out there. It's good to capture the fire here. But the fire here, that's the normal thing. But the fire there, that's the purpose of the fire. Go to the darkness. Amen. So we'll explore that uh, to me. As uh, Peter highlighted in his message yesterday, his, the, the importance of culture, the importance of covenant relationship, the sustainability of revival is not guaranteed by events, it's relationship. If we just build culture out of events, then we'll have people who are burned out. But if we create culture, covenant relationship, the fire in here, in this building, should go to the houses out there. That's sustainability. In fact, I believe revival is actually just going back to the lifestyle of Jesus. Revival was never an event. It's going back to the original design of God. Jesus demonstrated how it is to live in that alignment of heaven on earth. So if we just move from revival events to living just like Jesus and living in a community, we will have sustained revival culture. Are you okay? And that's... I, I did not purposely have my presentation. My wife, um, she's my, you know, Holy Spirit in bodily form. <laughs> Tells me just, you know. So I would just be concise, try to be concise here. <laughs> it's God's purpose. From the beginning, in creation, you know, that we will be living from a place of 
intimacy, of divine relationship, of union, of walking with God in the center of his delight, Eden, and expand Eden to the rest of the earth. Eden is that token, if you may, the, you know, he planted a garden, he took something from heaven and placed it on earth. That's God's abode, God's home, his delight, his love relationship with his son and daughter. Let us create man in our image and likeness and let them rule. To rule is to subdue, to manage, to steward, to bring out the potential of everything in creation. From that place of encounter, from what we have experienced here, now it's time to walk, go out there, expand Eden, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, take dominion. That's how everything grows. That's the divine pattern. And when we go to the book of Revelation, same elements in Eden you can see in the book of Revelation. So if you just look at this is God's design, and this is the culmination. Read first two chapters of Genesis and the last two chapters of Revelation. That's the picture. The in-between is the restoration of all things. This is our calling. Eden was designed to be an altar a sanctuary from the place of worship of intimacy we rule and reign so we cannot just worship here without going out there the last temptation of Jesus from the, the devil he said worship me I will give you all this Kingdoms in their glory. Are you with me? Yeah. We know that's, that's the hook. That's, if you want a shortcut to this, this is it. And I, I guess that's the only time the enemy did not lie. Because he knew he, he is the prince of this world. And then he, Jesus, the reply of Jesus gives us a picture. He said, worship God alone and him alone you will serve. You cannot divide your works from your worship. Worship is expressed in what we do. Our being is expressed in our doing. We are to be family of fire, family on mission. How can the earth be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord? In the book of Isaiah chapter 6, the angels were screaming, seraphims, 
huge angel saying, the whole earth is filled. It, in God's reality, the whole earth is filled. What is missing is the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. The world is not seeing it. They don't recognize that realm. Their eyes are veiled. Who will lift that veil? The sons and daughters of God stepping into glory. From intimacy, we destroy the works of darkness. We lift the veil. The Jacob encounter that I've shared to you, that encounter should not be just a one-time encounter. It's to live before God's face. So now we know they fell, Adam and Eve. It's, it's amazing that the elements of Eden are all expressed in the temple, in the tabernacle of olives, of rivers. If you, you do a study, are you with me? Because this is God's design. We are to be holy, royal priesthood. Sons and daughters of God who are called to be royal priesthood. So the first creation in Adam failed. The rest of humanity. But praise God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Wow. There is a new creation. There is a new humanity in Christ, not in Adam. We move from in Adam to be in Christ. Christ who is priest and king. Matthew 1 verse 1. You know, uh, Peter shared about Malachi 4, 5, and 6. The spirit of Elijah. You know, the restoration of sons to their fathers. The turning of the hearts to their fathers. And that's, that's what will end the curse. Lest I strike the land with a curse. And there's 400 years of silence. And Matthew wrote the first verse. The genealogy of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Jesus who is the son of Abraham. The son of David. Have you read genealogy? And yeah. you, I mean, that's one of the best way you, you fall to sleep. <laughs> Numbers like the son of, the son of, the son of. Oh. But look here. The son of David. Who is the son of David? Solomon. Royalty. The son of Abraham. Who is the son of Abraham, Isaac, the one who was offered. Royal priesthood. Our sonship 
It's not just about that. Oh, I'm love. Yes, but there's so much more. From that love, we will be royal priesthood. First Peter chapter two, verse nine, and we know this verse. We are a royal priesthood, right? Now, in Christ, chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen race. No more a fallen race. A chosen race. A new humanity. Amen. You have a new identity. Anyone who believes in Jesus... John 1.12, we are given the right to become children of God, born not of the will of men, not of blood, but by the will of God. Two identities, the old in Adam, the new in Christ. In Christ, we are a chosen race, our royal priesthood. That's who we are. So I know some people are, you know, the, the bias of the, the calling is just to be in the secret place. But you're not just for the secret place. You are for it. You are, you and me are carriers of God's presence. Are you with me? We are royal priesthood. There are priests in the marketplace. There are, you know, royal priesthood. That will be mobile tabernacle offering worship unto the Lord. Wherever they go. Remember Jesus. I'm, I want to follow through with, with Jacob last night. You know, there's an open heaven, Psalm 24. And Jacob experienced that open heaven. In fact, that is Bethel. The gates of heaven, the house of God. That part, gates of heaven, on this side of heaven, house of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the house of God. And we are also that conduit of open heaven. So wherever we go, we bring with us the realm of heaven. We have to have that awareness. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. This is who we are. Say with me, identity. identity. Say with me, identity. identity. That's who we are. Whether sometimes we feel that or not, that's reality for the Lord. That's when he looks at us, we are chosen race. We're not fallen race. We are holy People, his own possession, a holy nation, a nation of priests and kings. And in the book of Revelation, you'll see that. You know, that theme from Genesis, it ends with this. People from every tribe and nation, priests and kings because of his blood. Redemption. Identity, so we are 
his people for his own possession, what is the purpose? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of this darkness into his marvelous light. You are, therefore, you will do. You are, then the expression of that is release the glory of the Lord. Excellencies would be the glory of God, tangible, present, expressed. And people will see the good works and they will glorify the Father. Excellencies. Whatever we touch, whatever we build, we create. Not just in the arena of prophetic or praying for the sick. But releasing solutions. Going out there in the marketplace and in homes. So the fire that falls here should go to the fireplaces out there. Amen. Are good? And we know David's reign is the prototype for that. You know, um, just quickly, uh, the, the prophecy about the Messiah. Unto us, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the, the government shall rest upon his shoulder, you know? And uh, in the increase of his gover government kingdom and of his peace, there shall be no end. And it says, from the throne of David until forevermore. The prototype of royal priesthood leadership, house of God, congregation, family of God, is what David started. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All of these are the manifestation of the Messiah of Jesus. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, you know, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is like, so when we're called to be royal priesthood, we'll have this manifestation, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish it. David's throne, both his rulership and him being priest by heart, is the prototype. In fact, in Acts chapter 15, you know, if you're familiar, when the Gentiles begin to come to know the Lord, and there, there was the council of Jerusalem, and they were discussing how, how can we, you know, are they part of the congregation? Are they part of the church? And one of... Uh, one uh, James stood up and called Amos chapter 9. And he said, after this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And, the, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from 
from of old. So God loves the throne of David and the tabernacle of David. Royal priesthood. He honored David. He, David's heart was to create a temple, to build a temple. But God, if you, if you ask God, what is in your heart? I like David's tabernacle. More than the temple. The tabernacle of David gives us a glimpse of what is in the future, our time. That we could stand before the presence of God and not be killed. Amen? We can stand before glory. Right a while ago, I was having encounters with the Lord. When we were singing consuming fire, my, my Inside of me, it was just burning. I know he was, he's here. And I could stand before his presence. By the blood of Jesus, now we can, we can do that. In the Old Testament, oh my goodness. There's so much preparation. Chosen lamb and then a chosen priest, high priest. And when the priest goes into the holy of holies, most holy place, they, have, they wear these robes with bells. And then a rope will be tied on their hips. Because when people no longer hear the bell, that means, oh my, the priest is dead. Let's just... But David, forerunner... In his desperation, he cannot pull the future to his present. Just divine desperation, just like Jacob. Jacob saw the face of God and did not die. Moses saw the face of God and did not die. There's just something about that. So, but... I would like to use that as that's the framework. But there's just something about this journey of David. That Yes, he's the man after God's own heart. But we see him going through times of transitions. Who's going through transitions? I mean, it's never ending. In our leadership, in our, uh, you know, relationship, family, either you move from one place to another. There's just transitions going on. We're experiencing transition right now. Yeah, just look outside. Three days ago, we were walking in the park. <laughs> just three days. And uh, oh, wow, this is hard transition for Asians. Coming out of the car, we're like, Careful. Transition. So there's this story. Where did David got the idea of tabernacle of David? It's actually a tent of David. That was not his original design. And let me just again go back to this. We are royal priesthood. The fire here must be sustained by the fireplaces in our homes. Small groups. 
We have to be in community. There's no fullness of maturity in gifts and fruit of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit, apart from community. You cannot just go around prophesying people. You have to be plugged in in a community that will enrich you, help you grow, correct you, embrace you. If not, there's not, there's not true maturity. You might have gifts, but you're not growing in Christ-likeness. The goal of discipleship is to become just like Jesus. Gifts are gifts. It's given to you. But character, it's grown through the journey. He's the vine. We are the branches. Abiding is in the context of community. Okay. So let's go to having set that framework. Now let's go to 2 Samuel um, chapter 6. I am uh, sharing on a family that actually challenged, confronted, inspired David. God wants the tent of David, but originally it was not David who had it. David had his personal relationship with the Lord out there in the wilderness as a shepherd boy. On a personal level, he's got relationship. But in a corporate way, he still has to learn how to host the presence of God. And it took a family, it's the house of Obed-Edom, who actually inspired a king how to host the presence of God. How to be a fireplace. Okay, let's go. Second Samuel chapter 6. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel. 30,000. Wow. He's serious. It's a huge party to bring the Ark of the Covenant from the house of Abinadab. Abinadab is a picture of uh, some would say he is in the lineage of Levites. Some would say he is in, in the lineage of King Saul. But it gives us a picture of a priesthood or royalty that loses its purpose. Lose the edge. Because the Ark of the Co Covenant was in the house of Abinadab for 20 years. But there was never mentioned that his house was prosperous. That his house was experiencing revival. They just had the Ark of the Covenant there, but they were not hosting the presence of God. So that's, that's a picture. So from, from the Philistines, it was 
you know, brought in with, you know, with that cart and then brought to the house of Abinadab. Okay, I'll have to continue here. And David arose and went with all the people, verse 2, who were with, with him from ba Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And take note of this. They carried the ark of God on a new cart, brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of the Lord, and Ahio went before the ark. Looks like decent, but that's not God's will. That's not how God wants to be carried. The Ark of the Covenant is the place where His glory rests. Where did they get the idea? This is the failure of priesthood and a failure of royalty. A huge transition from uh, spiritually speaking. God is raising up a new priesthood. God is raising up a new royalty. But the in-between, it's so ugly. They've never hosted the presence of God. They just put that box and treated it as ordinary. And so God was just silent. There was no word. There was no manifestation of God's glory in the land. They kept it for 20 years and it was written. In the time of Saul, Israel never visited that ark. Like priests, like people. And if you do a study of kings, and it's the same, like kings, like people. And so here comes a picture. Now David just did it out of desire. Let me say this. Desire alone cannot bring you to the presence. It's not man's way, it has to be God's way. David, out of his own relationship with God, comes into that place in which, okay, this is just, this is it, we'll just bring it. He's got a big, big army procession of people with, with all the instrument, but they, he never consulted the book. And he's got Levites who had forgotten how to carry the presence of God. That is transition, big transition. Now David knew he's got a calling to be a king. And now he moves from Hebron, now he's He's just been anointed as a king for the whole nation. And his desire is to bring the Ark of the Covenant. And look, just look at this picture. Abinadab just staying home and let his son do the th sons do the thing. 
It's a failure of priesthood, failure of royalty, a failure of household. The father never demonstrated, never even dared to go and do the preparations. It was not done in God's prescribed way. So let's continue. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. It was wild. I mean, imagine 30,000. That's, oh, wow. Quite a band with shoutings. Amen. David was just full on. This is it. We're moving the Ark of Covenant, the presence of God into the heart of the city. He was doing it from desire, but he never understood that apart from the fear of the Lord, we cannot actually sustain the move of God. Desire can take us into the presence of God, but it is the fear of the Lord that will make us stay there. Let's continue. And when they came to the threshing floor, take note of that, of Nakon, Yusa Uza put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. In the life of David, there's two threshing floors mentioned. This one, the other one was the threshing floor of Arwana. When David counted, do, did a census of his army, how big my army is. And the prophet said, you don't have to do that. But David forced things. 70,000 died. Oh my God. Praise God, we're in the New Testament now. <laughs> Scary. One decision killed 70,000. And it was in the threshing floor of Arwana. The angel of the Lord was about to you know, do the second blow, the, the sword. And David was so scared. The fear of the Lord hit him. Take note of this. He built an altar. That's, that's the thing we quote most often. I won't give anything that cost me nothing. He bought the field, put the sacrifice, and the Bible says, and far from heaven fell and burned the sacrifice. And from that day on, the heart of David was about the temple. Not about his army, not about his success, not about his kingdom. It's about the presence of God. We all go through the threshing floors in our transition. The threshing floors, as Peter said, 
will sift all the chaff so that on the, what will remain are the pure grains, seeds of the kingdom for the greater harvest. We move from glory to glory to glory. But there are threshing floors that we need to go through. Tap the shoulder of the person next to you and smile. You will go through a threshing floor and it will be good. Are good? Amen? So Uzzah died, why? Every time we try to help God with our own strength and flesh, God doesn't want to be helped in the sense of our human strength. He's calling us to co-labor with him. He's calling us into this relationship to co-labor with him. But whenever we try to perform for a promise, if you may, we will have Ishmael. Somebody will die. Somebody dies in this context. And so what happened to David, he was so frustrated. And the anger of the Lord... Of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and God struck him down there because of his error. And he died there beside the ark of God. Wow, that's a scary picture. This is the glory of God. Somebody died. And we say, well, we're in the New Testament. Look at the New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira. They promised to give. Everything, but they withheld something. Because they want to show off, but their hearts are not totally with God. In the presence of the glory of the Lord, what is inside that is not of God, not of love, not of holiness and righteousness must die. We will all go through threshing floor. Amen? So let's continue. Whew, that was heavy. <laughs> I thought we're family on mission. Yes, this is it. This is it. We can hide things in a conference, but when we are seated around the table, it's time for us to drop our guard and say, that's how we can be entrusted with the presence of the Lord. For without holiness, no one can see the face of God. As Peter read a while ago. And so, since that day, the place is called Perez Uza to this day. Look at this, verse 9. And David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So he was presumptuous, he's got desire, but he never took the time to really know the way of God. He is into transition. This is no longer a personal relationship. This is about you leading a people, hosting my presence. And David learned a hard lesson. 
He learned this lesson. And he said, so David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom. And in Chronicles it says, you know, he was angry. He just completely just, I don't, I don't want this. He had forgotten who he was in the first place. His priest by in heart. Before anyone see him, he's worshiping the Lord in the wilderness. That's why God chose him to be a king. Let me say this. The authority of royalty rests in the heart of a priest. We want to see sustainable authority. There has to be that commitment and awareness and identity to walk as king. And the house of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Just three months. Abinadab, 20 years, no blessing. The name Abinadab means son of royalty. You know the name Obed-Edom? It means slave of Edom. Here is royalty. Here is a slave. I mean, I don't know if that's a good name to give to your son. But there's something redemptive about his name. It's Obed-Edom, which is red, which is earth. Yes, he's a servant. He's got that identity. But he knew how to host the presence of God and the value of that blood on the mercy seat. So they hosted the presence of God. And I could just picture, you know, the, the, uh, some scholars would say he is in the lineage of Levites, actually. But they're living in Gath. That's why he's Gittite. And Gath is one of the cities of Philistines. So in short, they will not be the chosen Levites to lead. But some would say he is... Philistines, Gittite, so I don't know. There's just so many information out there. But what I want to drive here is that the house of Obed-Edom learned to host the presence of God. It's not a big gathering of 30,000. It's a house. You are family of fire. You are family of on mission. Amen. And so, and then it was told to King David, just shorten this. It was told to King David that the house of Obed Edom was blessed. And then David was, oh, am I missing something? He was awakened to his calling. He was awakened to that heart again. He walked away. He was furious. He, he, he was just mad. I mean, I just forget this. But one family 
made him realize what really matters. It's an ordinary family, the house of Obed-Edom. They were not actually prepared or ceremonially prepared to host the Ark of the Covenant. They just saw, oh, that house. The, you know, this is where Uzzah died. Oh, there's a house. And just imagine Obed-Edom hosting the Ark of the Covenant. It's like, you know the story? Somebody died there and now this thing is here. Are you with me? Is it like, hey, the Ark of the Covenant is here. No. It's like, oh, my. Whew. And they know the story beforehand. Some, I think 70 people pee. Look at the Ark of the Covenant and they got killed. These are Israelites in Kiryat Jarim. It's not man's way. It is God's way. We can have desire, but if we don't understand God's way, that he is holy, yet he is father. How do we walk in this sonship? Just like Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, in the days of his flesh, he cried out, wailing, sobbing in Gethsemane. He wrestled with God. And the Bible says, verse 8, and he, he was heard not because he was son, but because of his piety, his humility. Is so if we want to fully host the presence of God, there's that part of He is love and He is Lord. Amen. So David was awakened to his calling, and we know this story. David finally understood. Let's go back to what God said. Let's go back to His desired way how his presence was to be carried. It's to be carried on the shoulder of priest. We are royal priesthood. We can never treat the presence of God ordinary. There's that trembling... But at the same time, that place of intimacy. But trembling inside my heart. Many revivals stop in history because of familiarity. I know the tricks. I can do this. And his presence lifts. When we lose the fear of the Lord. And to fear God is not to be terrorized by Him. It is actually living with that awareness that apart from Him, I am nothing. The fear of the Lord brings us back to that place. And this is my prayer for all of us. That accountability of just being Sharing lives, growing together in that small group context. I know if I unpack this, this, this will be another, you know. Thing. But I just want to go 
Acts 15, God, I mean, James quoted a promise. God will restore, build up. What, what does God want? The tabernacle of David. Where did David got the idea? It's not from anybody. It's from that house of Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom, whose identity was a servant, a slave of Edom. He was a son before the Lord for, because of how he, he stewarded the presence of the Lord. And if you do a study of the impact of that small Little home, little house. I guess uh, somebody made a study of this. I think more than 70 in his house served the Lord. They were gatekeepers. Some of them are governors, even up to the time of Solomon. In fact, when David now came to realize this is how you will carry the presence of God in the, on the shoulder of the priest. You know, who's the guy who was part of the procession of the leadership? It's Obed-Edom. The one who was sidelined because he's living in Philistines. Abinadab could have been the chosen one, Eleazar his son, but they never treat the presence of God with fear and trembling. So David got awakened. This is it. And it's, wow. Just imagine that. Your house could be a house of Ovid Edom. When you can take the fire here, the prophetic here, the love of God here, that uh, living waters, but also that sharpness of the word, the two-edged word, to let go of our, you know, our, our, our issues. To let go and walk just like Jesus. It happens in the context just like Obed-Edom. Maybe he's got kids running around, you know. They were playing or whatever, you know, it... Football, just, and they, Obed-Edom, just my version, by the way. <laughs> hey, guys, hey, kids, don't play in the presence of God. But I believe it's, it's, it's not like, watch out, you'll be killed. It's learning how to adjust. Oh, and their children learned to stand before the presence of the Lord. And they enjoyed it. What was just for the high priest now is for the home. And the children who were exposed in the glory. That worship in your basement. That small group. That sharing of meals, that covenant meal with the blood of Jesus, broken body, and the drinks is a reminder it is finished. We can host the presence of God. David was awakened into his calling to host the presence of God. And the way he did it, he just stripped everything. All royalty, all the robes. And if he's the king, you would know he's the king just watching from afar. His robe, his, his crown. But on that day, David removed everything. It was just a linen ephod, a priestly garment. And David, I believe from his heart, take everything from me. 
I'm about this. I'm about the presence of God. I'm a lover of your presence. And David got awakened. And wow, it's powerful. Every six pace, six pace, they will kill an animal. There was a blood trail, I think three miles, blood, I mean thousands or hundreds were killed, bulls. And David was dancing mightily like Pastor Peter was dancing the first night. He was just wow, all over, dancing with freedom. Because now he came to realize. Finally, what my heart pursued, now we can host not just me, but a people. And they brought that, six, every six step, they will kill blood trail. It was an offering. It was a generous offering. And that ark finds a place in a tent. That's the tabernacle of David. And God said, I want that tabernacle to be restored so all the nations will come. When the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, I'm landing here, and there's a short story. When the fire fell in Acts chapter 2, sound pierced the airwaves, and the fire fell. And they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. We know that, right? Let's go to Acts chapter 2. What happens? We'll, we'll just go to the last portion. This is how the move of God. Let's go to 42 to 47. This is how the move of God was sustained. This is the present day, that day. House of Obed-Edom, if you may. It's not organized. What is revival? Revival is people saturated with God. What is revival? A culture that hosts the presence of God. What is revival? Is God amongst his people. What is revival? Jesus is in the midst of his church. Not activities, not programs, presence. So when the Holy Spirit was poured out fire, I like that. I mean, 3,000 got saved. Hallelujah. But what do you do afterwards? This is where family on mission comes in. How did they sustain the fire? There were fireplaces. And it says, and they devoted themselves to apostles' doctrine. It's a devotion. It's a joy. I know you've been tired serving, you know. Just tired here. Staying up late. 
Michael, I saw him filling up the tank and emptied the tank. Oh my God, this is hard work. From a prophetic word to actually doing it, Scott, Gene, all you guys. That's devotion. God sees that. Devoted themselves to what? One, apostles' doctrine or teaching. And I want to expound this. And, and the fellowship, koinonia, which is sharing of lives. It's not just, hi, hello, we have fellowship, good coffee, nice brownies, and oof, nice chocolates, <laughs> pumpkin uh, pies. But more than that, it is sharing of lives. Talking about our struggles. Talking about our journey. I need help. Please pray for me. And we'll see that. You know, fellowship to breaking of bread. Breaking of bread. Why is this so important? Luke, who wrote Acts, highlighted the the two men who walk in the way of Emmaus, their eyes were open in the breaking of bread. What is that breaking of bread? The last thing Jesus did in the Passover was to break the bread. What if there will be greater opening revelation of Jesus in the breaking of bread? Happening in your home. Jesus will reveal himself. And the breaking of bread also reminds us to see each other through that broken body of Jesus. I have no right to accuse you. I don't have a right to judge you. I see you through the broken body of Jesus. This is how the community was restored. I'm not from here, but I'm inspiring you, challenging you. Look for small groups that you could commit yourselves into and say, I'll stay here, I'll serve, I'll learn the way of Jesus, I'll grow with you, I struggle with you. Amen. Thank you for that. That's encouraging. <laughs> and in prayers. And what happened? When that was there, verse 43, read it. And awe came upon every soul. When there was a culture, the awe, the atmosphere spread out to the region. Awe Upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. There was an increase of signs and wonders and miraculous, and it was sustainable because there were small groups. They went from house to house, breaking bread. The fire here must go there. And all who believed were together, had all things in common. 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. I mean, there was generosity. There was just love in action, tangible. Love looks something, as Heidi would say. And day by day, attending the temple, there was temple, big meetings. And... um, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. There's that big gathering like this, but there has to be home, house of Obed Edom, Tabernacle of David. With glad hearts, generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord. Added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Who added? The Lord. It was the Lord. When the culture, when the community was there. To express how love looks like. How the fire looks like. Then God adds those who are getting saved. I'll end with my just shorten this my story you heard my story that i was close to being promoted to heaven covid 2021 and in that in the hospital there's this another person on on the left i was put in a ward there's no no other place i had an encounter with the lord i heard the voice of god Asking me, who are you? And I said, I am Paul, your beloved son. And something just welled up on me. And I could breathe air again. I removed my mask. And I, I could breathe. And then God asked me, what have we done together? Our history together. And he brought me to Pakistan, India. Those places we ministered to. And I could just Sense God was dancing all over me like in Zephaniah. My father was dancing all over me. At that moment when I was awakened and healed and whew, joy was flowing. I heard the doctor talking to the person on my left, the next bed. That guy just came in, came in the day before. And I learned from the doctor that he, has, he had fourth stage cancer, lung cancer. And COVID. He, he's actually dying. And the doctor said to him, I have to be frank and honest here. Jeffrey, that's his name. You may die today. I mean, I, mean, I don't know why Filipino doctors would do that. <laughs> but it's scary. So when I heard that in my heart, I was saying, no, Lord, no. No, because I I was having an encounter here, and this is a death sentence. I was experiencing life here, and compassion hit me. And I just said, no, 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 Lord, no. So I I just waited for the doctor to to leave. And then afterwards, I stood up. That was around 3.30 a.m. I stood up without mask. I went to the guy, and true enough, he was like... (gasps) You know, the first thing I did, I just had this idea. Turn the oxygen a little bit more. I mean, I don't think you can do that. (laughs) I don't know if it's compassion or just 
I don't know. But it helped. It just <laughs> and then I, I introduced myself to him. I'm a pastor. And then I prayed for him. And life came back. And eventually the doctor came back and he said, what happened to you, Jeffrey? Oh, my friend, pastor, <laughs> he prayed for me. And the doctor came to me, take care of him. <laughs> now I became a nurse. But I wish uh, the story would end like, wow, he was completely healed. But to be honest, he did not, he wasn't healed completely. But God gave him a window, 12 days. He went home. And before I, I left earlier than him, and he was crying. He, was, he said, without you, Pastor Paul, I don't know where I'm going. But because of what you shared, I'm ready. So he came, he, he went home. <laughs> And share the gospel to his family. We sent Bibles to them because we cannot visit them. Everything was locked down. After 12 days, Jeffrey died. But there were, were moments, several moments, twice before he died. The family will call me and I'll pray for Jeffrey. He's like, <gasps> and I'll pray for him. I call his name and then he will be like, hi, Pastor Paul. <laughs> So the family knows, like, so cut long story short, we eventually, when uh, Jeffrey died, after a few months, we visited their homes. I shared the gospel, prayed for the, the family. And now, Jeffrey's mom started a house of Ovid Edom. In Payatas, a poor place. Among senior citizens, elderly. And they celebrated one year anniversary. And they're growing. They couldn't fit in the home any longer. The local government gave them freedom to use covered uh, basketball court for their meetings. And these elderly ladies would pray for people and healings would break loose. And every week, people are getting safe. Our spiritual daughter, Taya, best friend of Almira, ministered, started this. So I end up with this, when Jesus sent us with all authority and power, he said, go and make disciples. That word go, if you do a study, it means as you go, make disciples. As you go in the marketplace, as you go where your, your office, where discipleship is not just a classroom thing. It's a life.
as you go make disciples. We are a family of fire. We are a family on missions. The fire here must go there in safe, spiritual fireplaces. Let's pray. I just want to release the blessing of the Lord upon us. We thank you for the fire that's burning. Lord, in, during the conference and our encounters, <laughs> we see your face. If you want to stand up, then just stand up and let's just honor. Can we just have a heart like Obed-Edom? I don't know what to do. I'm here. I want to host your presence. I want to host your presence. I want to open up my home. I want to take the fire here and take it home. So my children, my neighbors, my friends, I'll take it in my office. I take it in my business. Let's just pray. Come. Come, come Holy Spirit, fire of God, come, come, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come, come. I pray for present day tabernacle of David in our homes. I pray present day Obed-Edom. Houses of Obed-Edoms that will awaken kings to their calling. People with calling in, in high position, influential. Or those ordinary, just like Obed-Edom. They'll raise up children who will be gatekeepers for the presence of God. Who will stand before the presence of God. Lord, we pray for that harvest, Lord. But we know it's, it's not easy apart from you. It's impossible. But with you in our midst, we can be a house of, of Edom, blessed not just in three months, but through the generations. We can be that house. Make us that house. We are living stones. We are living stones. Holy priesthood. Royal priesthood. Holy temple. Lord, bless each one. We thank you for your word. Empower us to go. In our going. We make disciples, followers of you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.